Hey everybody, this is Joe, your Dungeon Master. I am so excited for you guys to listen to this episode. So much so that I don't want to take a break in the middle of it. So I am going to do what I usually do in the middle, uh, right here at the top. So thank you so much for our patrons, those that donate $15 or more a month. You keep us going. Your financial support means more than you know. So Jonathan Zeman, Dash Cole, Andre K, Michael Kenitzer, I'm Just Saying, Jello Crew, Kurt Nolan, Tarkin Davis, Sierra Clark, Jason Ford, GM Binder, Max Bender, Holly Roxana, Ice Blue 220, Strifer Honor, Sarah Blue, Mark Deacon, Joe, you know who this is. Please read the entire name. And Karen Angel, Eleanor Fitchett. Uh, and that's it. So thank you guys so much for your donations to the show. It means a whole lot. Um, if you want to financially support the show in any way, $1, whatever you want, you can go to patreon.com slash YMIA Tavern. If you're enjoying what you're listening, uh, we would really appreciate it. Um, I want to give another special shout out to Allison Mogul. And oops, and uh, that's it. That's it for me. Um, enjoy the episode. I really hope you all love it. I would love to hear what you think. Uh, so shout us out on Discord, on Twitter, and all those great places. Um, okay, guys, enjoy it, and girls, enjoy it, enjoy it, and uh, we'll we'll see you later. Bye. Welcome to episode 49 of You Meet in the Tavern. Carl, Brian, you're going to do the recap this time. What happened? Uh, we fought the Drider in her lair. Uh, we defeated the Drider. The sash was uh, kind of like her web, and in it was a person, which turned out to be my father, who apparently has been alive kind of this whole time, just... Spider fodder. Spider fodder. Dry, drider fodder, I guess. Yeah, drider spider fodder. Uh, and we just kind of unwrapped it and realized it was him. And then we ended the episode. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. It's a big combat episode. Um, the boss of this shade arc. And you learned that you learned a little bit about what has been going on in. Um, in the Fae with uh, your father and these strange kind of memories and visions that appeared as you as you fought this spider. Visions of things that had happened in Carl Sr.'s life leading up uh, to this point. A little spotty, some gaps, um, but that was what was going on. A couple different things happened. You saw Tug and Durf's fathers disappear Um after one of the memories of, of them as children, Carl, you in baby form lashed out at Tess and then uh, were, was subsequently destroyed against the wall um, after another vision showed your mother rocking you to sleep at night. It was really, really difficult to remember what I did. It was, it was a, a lot. lot. Yeah, I mean. it was a lot of stuff. There's a lot of stuff there. Um, all right. So here we are. 
It is after the fight, you are in the center of this chamber, this dome that you remember from the temple when you visited it at the very beginning of this campaign. There is a large hole in the ceiling where the moon is shining down into this pool, this maybe two inches of water, this pool that kind of surrounds the group of you that was sitting at the base of this temple. At this point, the spider webs have disappeared. They've fallen into dust. They are gone completely. And you look around at the room and you see the statues of the priests of Pelor. They're looking down on you from the dome. Um, six of them intact. The seventh kind of crumbled to the ground, just like you remember it when you first walked in there um, way back in episode two. And you are there surrounding this figure of Carl's father, who you recognize, Carl. And Tug, as you pull away this golden sash from Carl's father's face, um, you only have a few short moments to take in the sight of him. Carl, you immediately recognize him. And then all of a sudden, like five times before this, the sash starts to glow bright this totem begins to glow bright and tug. You feel this burning sensation on your hand and you look down and you see that the mark of this arrow that was once pointing in one direction now fills out um, into the second direction. And now you have a, um, if you think of like a geometrical line, if you, when you drew in school, a little segment with two arrows at the end that matches the other two's hands. But this time tug, you don't fall and unconscious you don't see a vision yourself this time the light that shines from the sash encompasses the entirety of the room the whole room and the world around the four of you begins to shift and change and for a few short moments all you hear as this blinding light surrounds the place is this dull slow tolling of a bell Suddenly the sound begins to grow in clarity as the light changes to darkness and then is replaced with the view of a tall clock tower, followed by the expanding light of a flourishing village beneath the trees. And you recognize this clock tower as the same one you saw when you first came to Shade, but now it's lively and flourishing. You see workers that roll carts along the cobblestone paths as children play in their front yards with dogs and sticks and ribbons in the light of the sunset. A young man with a smooth face and flowing brown hair that you immediately recognize as the priest you came to seek exits from the clock tower's base, toolbox in hand. He signs a ledger nailed to the archway before gliding along the path in your direction with a smile on his face, tipping his invisible hat to every passerby. The vision shifts again and we see him at the start of a new day, kissing his wife and daughter goodbye as he leaves his cabin to tend to the clock tower so loved by the town of Shade. This routine repeats day in and day out and you see this happening over and over again. A different outfit, a different meal, but always the same embrace of his wife and loving kiss shared with his family before a day's work. And then the world around you shifts again and we see the same clock tower now on a clear night years later. The moonlight creeps through the canopy around the trees onto the empty cobbled streets, and the man wipes his brow as he leaves the tower much later than he usually does. His shoulders slump over as he walks along the same path before something catches his eyes and ears. 
the sights and sounds of the local tavern at his busiest hour, a place he hasn't visited to this point. His eyes return to the road ahead and he frowns. The tavern is lively with a seedy crowd as he plants himself at the bar and orders around. The world moves around him as the cups begin to pile and the night moves on in a time lapse. Finally, the toll of the clock tower strikes midnight and he drops a lazy handful of coins in front of the bartender. But before he can slide them forward, a gentle hand pushes them back, filling his own with the glass of another round. Her touch is like silk and her red lip smile melts all the stress of his day from his mind. Her black hair flows over her shoulders like the curtain of night, and the firelight that shimmers in her eyes matches the beauty of the golden sash that she wears around her chest. And then the camera pans backwards out of the bar as he tips his glass in her direction, and the world shifts again. The man's morning routine has been replaced by that of the night's. Each day, he leaves the clock tower more hastily than the day before, rushing to their meeting spot by the old well in the woods, far from town. Night after night, his mistress waits for him with red lips and the golden sash that complements her eyes, where no one can look upon them but the face of the moon. But word travels fast in a small town. His wife is no fool. She learns of the woman at the well and on one clear night collects her daughter and goes to confront them under the cover of darkness. At the well, his mistress hums a song as her legs dangle over the black pit, waiting once more for her year-long lover. Her hands run up and down the silken sash in anticipation, an anticipation that matches the man's wife's and the predators of the night that hide in the darkness hungry and waiting for the right time to strike. At long last, the husband, father, and lover, the same, arrives with hurried footsteps. So blinded by lust, he fails to hear the wolves scatter from his arrival. The ones he loves are all here, all three of them, but not as it was meant to be. With pale skin, he reaches out to them, pulling the torn sash from underneath their limp bodies with a wail that shakes the earth below the blood-stained forest floor. And the world shifts again, and suddenly the light from the sash in your hand tugs. You're brought back into reality, and you are left in the moonlight of the Fae, back in the Temple of Pelor, the vision of the Temple of Pelor. The glowing figure of this man, Lucio, in full priest robes, now stands beneath one of the statues underneath the dome. And one by one, the five other priests come into ethereal view, surrounding the room beneath their statues, their bodies glowing with a holy golden light. These six priests from which you've collected their totems, Glorn the Mountain Dwarf, Sabatha the Desert Princess, Elise the Pirate Captain, Graham the Entertainer, and Prudence, the dragonborn queen. They step forward and speak in unison the final verse of their story. With Pelor within us, our totems in hand, light vanquish the king and return to the land. Our powers combined, we casted a spell. 
to send the king home, back to his black hell. A temple was built over top of the seal. Goodness restored, the land started to heal. Our totems were left there as symbols of grace, to watch over the seal and keep it in place. And then they begin to step forward with silent and solemn footsteps, gliding along the marble floor towards you as their voices become stern and serious. But sometimes there is darkness that light cannot find. It hid in the shadows of the seventh priest's mind. Pelor thought his heart had changed with the rest. So wicked Ren was to cheat Pelor's test. One by one we were hunted, cut down by Ren's wrath. For we were the ones who could stand in his path. Centuries passed, but Ren's spirit lived on, possessing poor souls he could use as his pawns. Power he sought in the form of the king, power held back by gear, sash, and ring. The totems were spread as Ren hid in disguise, for only when they were gone could the king again rise. And their voice is calm, and time almost stands still as you see this. And they come to the edge of the pool that you all stand in. Sabatha, the desert princess, smiles as she lowers her hands, and you catch a glimpse of the necklace around her neck. In fact, all six of the priests seem to be in possession of the glowing form of their totem. Graham twirls a coin in his hand. Glorn brandishes a gear on his buckle. Prudence wears the diamond crown proudly atop her head and Lucio's sash flows effortlessly around his waist in a ghostly breeze. And he steps forward, and together the six of them bow before you. And you are now standing in the presence of all six visions of the priests of Pelor in this middle of the temple. You, your mounts, Tess is there, Carl's father. You are there, and all is silent around you. Are my conjured direwolves still there? <laughs> Spiders? Oh, yeah, spiders. Tony, yes. Steve, Thor, and Bruce. Uh, unless you unconjured them, sure. Yeah, they're there, <laughs> okay. too. The whole party. Cool. Um, so Tug has the sash he just unwrapped. He, so I now assume I have it all in my hand. Yeah, you got it all. Carl is in possession of all the other totems. Their physical forms are still on you, but you see these visions of these priests and them being so close to you, They they have them on their person in this kind of golden light. Right, right, right. So uh, Tug kind of wraps the sash or kind of gently bundles the sash in his hand, um, gives a quick little like <whistles> to get Boomsday to kind of like fall in step. And he walks up to the priest of Pelor that has the sash on and extends, uh, Tug extends his hands out as if to give him the sash back. Awesome. Okay. And this is Lucio. This is the man who you just saw in this vision. You saw basically his story before Pelor entered his life. He reaches his hand out to your shoulder and kind of pats 
and you feel this this warm touch on your shoulder and he smiles at you this warm warm smile um you know his hair kind of blowing in this this invisible wind that you can't feel and he says to all of you he says heroes of the realm you have finally brought us together again if our tale is not clear please allow me to elaborate and you see the rest of the priests kind of shift um, and start to move around the pool um, after he retrieves his hand from you. Uh, he's already got the sash. He's not taking it from you. Um, you get the sense that it's meant for you. And he says, We were once like you were. We roamed the world like all others, in constant turmoil as our conscience balanced between good and evil, light and darkness, sin and virtue. And what are the rest of you all doing at this point as he's kind of talking? Just just listening. Awe-stricken okay. fully. All right. Carl, like, Carl's also obviously awe-stricken by this kind of vision, but more focused on the fact, like, my dad's alive? Sure, yeah. Absolutely. Like, that, like... Saving the world is amazing, and all these totems, like, it's crazy, but, like, my dad is right. alive. Right, exactly. That's the this elephant is- in the room. That's kind of the hard to ignore. Sure, makes sense. Um, I, Tess is kind of, like, taken aback by what's going on. Um, she, unlike you all, have, have not had these visions. She hasn't seen any of this stuff, so she's kind of surprised. Her eyes are wide open, just taking everything that she's hearing, kind of contemplating something in her mind, you can tell. Um, you're not sure quite what that is, but, and, um, Lucio continues and he says, when our scale tipped and all hope was lost, Pelor entered our lives and we were redeemed from our sins. You know, our stories, Glorn's gluttony, Sabbath's sloth, Elise's envy, Graham's greed, Prudence's pride and my lust. Six sins of the world that hold great power over the ones who allow them to take hold. Pelor removed us from these burdens and transferred the darkness each to the totems we hold as reminders of the wicked lives we lived before him. And you turn naturally as you hear another voice from the side and you see Sabatha kind of step forward now and she says, When the Dread King rose, the seventh of us surfaced. Ren he called himself, redeemed from the wicked sin of wrath, or so he had us fooled. He disguised himself as one of us as we vanquished the king learning of his power and all he could do to once again allow him to return under his control. He hunted us down, and as we fell, all of the goodness of the totem's power left with us. All that remained was the core of the sin inside. As centuries passed, Ren's body turned to dust, but in all his wickedness his spirit remained. He wandered the world as a drifting essence, 
able to possess the bodies of souls of the weak of heart, those whose virtuous scales were near their tipping point. And Carl, at this point, she looks down at you, who um, kind of has your father in, in an embrace, and she looks down at his body laying in those shallow waters. And at her words, and as you see her do this, you hear Tess let out a short and sharp breath as her hand reaches for her mouth. And you just hear the words, Felix. What? (laughs) Durf's like, yeah, that's that. That was my conclusion as well. (laughs) What's that? (laughs) Felix. He's the guy. He's the shadow. The shadow guy's got him. Right. Is that what we're talking about? It's pretty good. <laughs> pretty good. Um, and uh, Glorn, Glorn hears this. The dwarf hears this kind of chime from Tess, this cry out from Tess. And he's, he speaks up now and he says, yes, Ren's final possession. A being whose magical power could withstand the summoning of the king. And at this, Tess completely collapses. She falls to her knees just beside you, Carl, just covering her face, just streaming with tears. And silence falls over the room once again. Durf's, I, Durf's like, oh, I mean, he was already pretty, pretty bad. <laughs> who? who? <laughs> Felix. I mean, it's like, you know, it's, it's, you know. Maybe this makes it worse, but he's he's he was pretty bad before. We knew he was but pretty it's bad not, before. But it's not Felix. Oh, I see. Well, but kind of because he's got to be weak of heart, right? Then they say is to be right, but like it's still like from my, the way I understood is Ren is possessing Felix. Oh, I get. It's it. not actually. It's not actually Felix. That Felix is not. So he's got like a. Well, does, is his soul still in there? I address to the... Which one was just talking? The mountain god? Uh, yeah, Glorn. Glorn, Glorn the, the uh, dwarf was talking, yep. Is he still in there? Yeah, he looks down to Carl's dad, actually. And he says, This man is a testament that one can be saved even after being possessed by Ren. And then um, Graham puts a hand on on Tug's shoulder as they've kind of turned and looks to you, Durf, and Tug. And he says with sadness in his eyes, he says, Many still were not strong enough and fell into madness before death took them first. And he's looking at Tug and Durf. So, you talking about our dad's bud, or? Or are we dead? You're yeah, or are we dead? <laughs> We've all been dead the whole time. Six, get sixth sensed. Ren tried to possess your fathers, all three. Like a holy trinity type thing, or three different. No, I think he tried to like three, like tried once in each individual. Right. Uh, and then your and I's dad went crazy before they died. Interesting, because because they found they that it happened after they like interacted with the temple, right? Correct. Right. When they interacted the, with the temple as children is when the first time they experienced Ren's power. And over the years, it kind of took hold of them. Cool. 
I mean, not cool. Until they eventually died and Carl remained. Carl Sr. Interesting. Interesting. Well, that sucks. That they... <laughs> for them. I mean, for me, too. This makes me sad about my dad. But, you know, more of a bummer for him. You know, probably. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> uh, a, a long period of silence passes <laughs> as you all kind of discuss this and are coming to this realization that Ren has been possessing these people to move these totems. Um, and the dragonborn sees this kind of in your eyes and steps forward and, and Prudence says, The seal could only be broken when the totems were returned to the place they were formed, far away from the temple. Over the years, Ren used his slaves to spread them across the land, and there they rested, until their dark power took hold of those who were left to discover it. A dark power that you know all too well, because you have overcome it time and time again. One by one, by the goodness of your own hearts, you have conquered the sins of our past and restored balance to the totems once again. Nice. So Doug's just kind of looking around. He's like, um, so now that we have them all, what do we do to save everyone? Do we have them all? Or we have six and seven? We have six. Correct. Well, you have six. Yes, I have five. Tug has one. The seventh one being the Ren guy, right? Yeah. So I'm he's... like, I'm under the assumption that we're not getting that one since he's like the principal bad guy. Well, or we are getting it last. Sure, sure, sure. Okay, sure, sure, sure. Um, and she responds. She responds to your question. She says, as you know, the Dread King now lays waste to our home. His dread continues to spread, and soon the last remaining ones you love will fall under his control. All virtue will leave this world, and all will be lost. The final totem must be destroyed. The black heart of the seventh priest, consumed by wrath. So do these ones we got give us like a cool bonus power up or like, can we use these to like make like the, a thing to like blast the wrath heart in half or are, are we just carrying trinkets and then we got to do our, our, our normal thing here? Can we get like just a bit more or. <laughs> um, okay. Yeah. Sure, Lucio. Uh, Lucio steps forward now, and um, the rest of the priests actually start to begin to to step back, and their visions start to fade. And Lucio says, "You must go to the temple and receive our blessing. The totems are the key that will seal the darkness. When you return to the temple, only then will the way forward." be seen it's like carl's I mean, i'm just hearing all of this and just kind of starting to come out of my a stupor and um just look up at him like what about jill like feet feet 
Jill is the reason we even started. Do you know if Jill's okay? Like, is is my dad still alive? She was a plot device, is- Carl. There's something. <laughs> there's something bigger afoot here. <laughs> no, she can't. She can't be dead. Why? No, I refuse. I refuse to didn't, believe didn't that. He like. Not like sacrifice her, but like use her ritually in some way. What's the deal with that? That doesn't priest? mean she. I thought she chucked her in a hole. That doesn't mean she. Yeah, it doesn't mean well, she's I'm dead. I'm not saying she's dead. I'm not arguing with him. I'm asking. There's a guy right there. I'm asking him. Uh, hey, Ghost Wizard. Yeah. Ghost Wizard, we got a question. We got a question. <laughs> what happened to Jill? Yeah. Why did he. Like, what was. Didn't. Did he, like, need her? She, like, a virgin sacrifice or something um okay let me think about a response real quick <laughs> another heart-wrenching moment in the story destroyed by the cast <laughs> of you meet in a tavern <laughs> uh, uh graham graham pipes in at the uh the ask about jill i think but you just said they're all like misting away yeah, they're kind of like backing right. away. Like slowly, their power is starting to fade oh, um, gotcha. okay. from the sash that kind of brought them here and the power of the totems that brought them here. And slowly, you can sense that they are, you know, they don't have much longer here before you. Um, and Graham answers and he says, the, the shroud that lays over the land of the Dread King now is so powerful, it is difficult to see past it. But Carl... There is hope left for Jill. One last question. Which temple? This temple? Further in this temple? Or is there a different temple? Uh, at this point, Tess, Tess kind of like wipes her brows and she stands and she says, Tug, don't you get it? This is not the temple. This is part of Carl's father's memories like your father's were and like baby Carl was. This is all a, f- a farce. Fair. With all due respect, you did murder a child uh, just last, <laughs> just this past battle. So um, I'm not going to allow you to claim the moral high ground, but I will accept your answer for now. Thank <laughs> and, you. And she whips around, um, ignoring your comment, and she calls out to the priests as they are starting to fade further and further away. And she calls out to them and she says, "But how? How do we get there? How do we get to the real temple? Where? How do we escape this place?" Oh, shit. That would have been a good question for one of us to ask. Great fucking question. (laughs) (laughs) All right, Tess, you have totally (laughs) redeemed yourself. (laughs) I literally have bolded in my notes. If they don't ask, have Tess ask for them. (laughs) I mean, we could have just asked Dad, okay? (laughs) Um, Okay, so after she calls this out, you hear Sabbatha um, in these last breaths before their visions go completely, disappear completely. She says... This man is what connects you to this place. And you see her wavery finger point at Carl's father. We have to kill him, I think. Thanks, Carl. You're going to have to kill your dad, buddy. (laughs) She says, this man... For the greater good. (laughs) This man is what connects you to this place and the key to how you can return. There are great powers in memories. Memories allow us to relive moments of great happiness, unbreakable love, and unthinkable grief. 
The power of these emotions can drive a man to madness. It could bring the strongest of men to their knees and the weakest of us to heroes. The drider that held him here fed off the power of these memories, magnified by the sin that was trapped in the sash. These memories manifested in such a way that they became tangible and real. Look around you. The memory of the temple is the last that remains in his mind. When he wakes, he will remember nothing else. When he wakes, this place will cease to be. You know the waters you stand in. You've entered a memory once before. A door can be passed through in both directions. Just be sure to be on the right side when it closes. And at that point, do you have any further questions for the priest before they are gone? I'm glad you said that second part, because I was just going to kill Carl's dad. Uh, same. I thought that was definitely the The take second it. part was much longer than the first part and included a lot of information that was key. Um, you hear a resounding, you're welcome, and then they disappear. <laughs> <laughs> and they're gone. Dur, Dur says, wait, I still don't know what we're supposed to do. <laughs> hey, Sabbath, shout out to Dartholomew. What up? <laughs> You just see a peace sign come through the wall, <laughs> bright gold. And you were left there in the silence. And Tess turns towards you all, and she's just thinking. She says, door can be passed through memories. What What was she talking about? Why, why the riddle? Door, door, door. Let's see. Looking at my spells for some clues. Tug also... He rubs the balls on his necklace to see if (laughs) his fireball and grease spells are going (laughs) to. A door can be passed through and is his memory. So. So if we, what if we, what if we, what if we just take him out? Like, what if we take his unconscious body and just start backtracking out of the temple? So when he wakes up, that's not where we are. Like, get back to, back to the well. That's a great fucking idea. Before. Can you do like a religion check or something? Like, if this is a memory, mm-hmm. right? And there's a doorway mm-hmm. of some sort here. Okay. We, sh- I would, I would guess. I don't know if that'd be a religion check. Um, or- let me repeat. Or Tess repeats what she just heard. <laughs> um, repeats to you what she just heard from Sabbath because she's kind of milling this over in her mind. Her hands are kind of like wrenching around the archmage's staff that she holds, and she says. You know the waters you stand in. You've entered a memory once before. A door can be passed through in both directions. Just be sure to be on the right side when it closes. What does she mean, be on the right side? Does she mean be in the real temple? And what is this memory? Have we been in a memory before? I can't remember. (laughs) Um, Well, didn't we were in a memory when we... It wasn't... We learned about our dads. I mean, we've been in memories every time we've gotten a... Yep. Yep, that's true. Every time we've gotten a a totem. You've seen visions, yes. Have we ever been in... We need a... uh, What is it? uh, A Ponceve or whatever. That Dumbledore puts the, like, silver shit from his skull (laughs) in. Right? 
What what is it called? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing. I'm just being a fucking good. Um, I mean, I'll be honest. You're on the right track. Oh shit! The pool um, where we put the sh- totems in—is that what you're talking about? Yeah. What did we do with? It? Didn't we like? I, I isn't it still at the tower? We are you saying this out loud? Sure. <laughs> sure. <laughs> this is okay. just, Dirk's just going, didn't we? Uh, I, I read a book once. Actually, canonically, I can't read. I listened to an audio book once <laughs> about a very powerful wizard that would pull his memories and swirl them into a pool. <laughs> Tess's eyes kind of light up and she says, yes, Tug, <laughs> Tug, you're getting somewhere. I can sense it. Keep going. <laughs> <laughs> Tug is I like I didn't hear that audiobook. I missed that one, but we did also watch that happen. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but with like stuff or whatever. So Right, right, right. You know, right. Uh, we need to get where we the thing where we stored the totems, right? Where only Carl could reach in and grab it. I think that's is am I on the right test? She says the pool of remembrance. Of course, of course. Uh, this, do we dunk him? Do we dunk him? Yeah, in the this pool. is in the pool. No, 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 no. This is this is just a simple pool. And she looks at her archmage's staff and her white robes, and she realizes now that she is the archmage. She has the power. Should have been me. All the powers that he did. And she looks down at this pool of water, and she says, "I can create a pool of remembrance." A door can be passed through in both directions. You three walked into Carl's father's memories from the outside. Perhaps she means that we can walk into the real world from his memory, this memory. Oh, well, fire up a pool and let's lay in some can openers. Let's Nami. dunk him. Let's dunk him. <laughs> let's not call it. If we're going to do something, we're going to baptize She starts it. to pace. Um, and she is just mumbling to herself. But how? But how? This is... This spell is going to take time. I, I need time to figure this out to generate such power to change and transfer us through. It's got to take more power to go from a memory to the real world than, than the other way around. Uh, I, need, I need time. You need to keep him asleep. Tug punches the fuck out of him. <laughs> uh, okay. No. No. You said it. <laughs> okay. Uh, no, no, was it? Was it? Isn't there um, like non-lethal blows you can lay in on somebody? <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You can. I mean, just sure. I, I, you're gonna hit him. You wind up, Carl. What are you doing <laughs> when you see him just winding up a big old slug? <laughs> First off, I'd like to point out, Tug goes, "Gotcha." Finger guns with a wink, and then just <laughs> rears back with the immovable rod. <laughs> I mean, is he? Does he have to roll an attack roll? No, no, he's no? gonna hit an unconscious person on the ground. Sure, sure thing. I mean, I'm kind of, I'm kinda, like, First, I'm holding. I believe like, it's called <laughs> subdual damage, right? That's a thing. Did I invent that? No, Sub- there's no what? way. Subdual. <laughs> I think you totally just made that up. <laughs> I think you made that up. No, there's got to be a thing. I mean, if you it, technically in a battle, if someone's being grappled or. I don't. I don't actually know. That's a good question. If you're unconscious, I think someone just gets an auto hit on you if they um, choose it, to attack. It's, it's called non-lethal damage, not subdual, whatever that word is, which I'm googling now. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure you're just trying to knock <laughs> him oh, out shit. and not kill him. Subdual damage is in Pathfinder, so not too far off. Mm, wrong system. Yeah, Carl. Oh, this sure, the question but, I mean, stands. It, it's a word. Is what I'm defending here. <laughs> right. 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 
Carl, the question stands. You see Tug winding up. Do you do anything? Or do you let it happen? I step in front of Tug. Uh, if anybody's going to do this, it's going to be me. <laughs> Durf says, may I suggest no one doing that? <laughs> Durf, you got a spell <laughs> called sleep? Tess, what if I did the divination cantrip guidance on you, allowing you to roll an additional d4? <laughs> on on my conjure pool of remembrance spell? Yes, yes, on your conjure pool of remembrance spell. Do you think that puts you over the top? Tug hears that, looks over, and just winds up again. <laughs> Uh, Tess does some quick calculations in her head and realizes, well, then it would probably take six hours instead of eight. Are we in a hurry? We are if he wakes up and then we're stuck in the upside down. Anybody got a deck of cards? Dude, look up if you have a spell called sleep. I'm I'm looking it up. I've been looking it up. I've been looking it up. (laughs) Followed by L. Let's see. Tree stride. Insect plague. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I have an awaken spell Yes (laughs) God We Uh, are the worst Let's see Are you a bard, sorcerer, or wizard? No Carl's a sorcerer I mean, I'm a sorcerer It's a level one thing Level one spell Tess is just listening to all this happen around her And she says Fellas, he's unconscious. D- just don't heal him. Hey, okay, well, you clearly implied that he might wake. You said keep him asleep, okay? <laughs> so let's, let's not get that's, carried that's away. That's factually correct. You, you know, with you've, the, done, you've done things to fuck it up before. <laughs> okay, well, that, that's also up, factually wait, correct. hold on. <laughs> you said sleep is a sorcerer, wizard, whatever spell. Tess is a wizard, okay? So if he wakes up, and just arguably a very back, strong one, just put him back to sleep. Done. All right. Do your fucking magic trick. I'm gonna go. Let's I'm see. gonna go hand, hang out by the unicorn totem. Okay. Uh, she Durf, looks to Durf Carl. Makes a pleasing puff of wind with his druid craft. Okay. Cantrip <laughs> to pass Fantastic. the time. Beautiful. Um, and she looks to Carl as the two of you kind of exit the pool, and she kind of nods down. Carl at your dad, and she says, I'll need this space. I pick up Daddy Carl and move him out of the pool. But I stay in range so that I can kind of keep an eye okay. on Tess and what okay. she does. And like All super right. gently so he doesn't wake up. Okay. So you scoop up your father who kind of hangs limp in, in your own arms and you wade through this pool until you're um, at the edge of it. And the three of you are outside this pool uh, watching Tess do her work. And she holds the staff over the waters um, for a long, long while. She is closing her eyes. She is more focused than you've ever seen her. And six hours pass and you get in a long rest. Get in a complete long rest. Everything healed up. All spell slots um, as you wait for this. Uh, you are completely refreshed. Yeet. And um, I guess, Durf, you've already told us what you're doing. You're just blowing wind in places? I blew wind once. Okay. What else are you doing? What are you doing to moment. pass the time as this... Uh, we'll do like a little montage. I'm playing with my spiders. I'm teaching okay. them to play fetch. Okay. I'm playing fetch with my spiders, my pet spiders. 
Tug? Who are named after the Avengers. Um, Tug has taken the sash that he's never relinquished and wrapped it around his waist a couple times to kind of make like a, a, a monk's sash and then is just doing basic calisthenic type things just to stay limber, stay loose um, while this goes on to pass the time. Okay. Oh, you know, you know what? Uh, conjure animals only last for an hour. So while I'm teaching the spiders to play fetch and they're starting to get pretty good at it, they all suddenly just blink <laughs> out of existence and Durf is quite sad. <laughs> okay. Okay. Can you conjure new spiders that just know how to play fetch? With a spell slot that I, ju- <laughs> okay. that I just got back. <laughs> all right. Uh, Carl, what are you doing? Uh, I just kind of sit, uh, Daddy Carl up against the wall and then kind of sit there beside him and just, uh, tell him everything that we've been through so far. Uh, you know, just telling him stories. Maybe some, maybe at some point he'll wake up, you know, right after Tess is Oh, the, this is a sweet moment. So you're trying to tell him right. stories about you. Like he's in a coma, yeah. right? I'm trying to and bring him back. And they said that he's not going to have any memories when he wakes up. Right, so I'm, I'm I'm implanting them. Do you want to give us a little snippet of that? What that sounds like? You made really good hot ham and cheeses. <laughs> Jesus. Uh, <laughs> <and you> went, <laughs> what? I'm Carl Jr. He's basically Hardy's. <laughs> you know. <laughs> your, your, your burgers were really bad for a long time, but then all of a sudden they got pretty good. <laughs> but those cinnamon raisin biscuits, always amazing. Uh, why can't we just have those 24-7? And then, you know, Jill Jill got abducted and we got, you know, taken along on this quest. And, and here we are. You're alive. Who knew? Not me. Mom's dead. You, uh, you, Great. as you sit there with him, Carl, um, you feel his fingers start to move and uh, he stays unconscious. But subconsciously, he kind of reaches out to you and rests his hand on yours um, without waking up. But you can sense that some part of him may be coming back as you talk to him. Tug sees, Tug sees uh, Carl's dad's fingers move and quickly <laughs> slides over and rears back with the movable rod to see if he's about to wake up. <laughs> and when he sees he's not, he just goes back to doing his thing. Carl, Carl also gets upset because his dad's fingers start moving at the mention of Jill and, and not <laughs> Carl. Ooh. Jill was always the favorite. Durf is riding Rosa around the room, lazily doing barrel rolls effortlessly because of his extremely high animal handling skill. While training your spider. Oh, they no, they're gone now. They're gone they disappeared. Now. Spell expired. They disappeared. Right. All right. So that's what happens over the course of six hours. And then suddenly you snap out of whatever you're doing because you hear the voice of Tess. And she says, I, I, I think I've got it. And you turn towards the pool, and it now beams with a dull white glow. The waters swirl in colors of light blue and purples and silver. And it gives off this warm heat that fills the room as she holds her hands above it, teetering on the ledge. And she says, this is it? I can I can see the other side. This takes us directly into the temple, directly into the heart of where the Dread King is. And you can see that the waters start to shake and the waves crash. 
Um, and it seems like her spell is failing as she's filled with this fear that this is it. This is the moment that has been building up to this. Um, the moment where you all are going to take on this thing that's taking over the world. And you can sense the fear in her voice and the spell fading. Well, pitter-patter, boys. <laughs> I, I whistle for Boomsday and Tug just shrugs over and kind of looks at the pool of remembrance. Kind of looks back at everybody and just pops in. Okay. Boomsday and Tug just plop right in. Durf, Durf does a backflip through the air on Rosa and then flies down into the pool of remembrance, which is hopefully pretty deep. <laughs> okay. Uh, and Carl, you're left there with, with Tess, who's shaking, and she says, they, they are so reckless. Is this right, Carl? Should we be doing this? She's still holding the staff above. The waters are churning and churning. At this point, it's too late. I will stand up and pick my father up and kind of throw him over my shoulder and rush to Tess, uh, grab her free hand, and kind of jump into the pool, kind of pulling her along okay. with me. Um, and you grab her, and she holds the staff high above her head, and the waters are churning and it's blinking, and you feel as if you're not going to make it and with one yank of Tessa's arm, you fall into the waters. And for the five of you and your mounts and everybody involved, the whole world goes white. And you feel this incredible warmth as you are sucked inside and everything goes dark. Last but certainly not least, I want to give a special shout out to our other patrons. These people donate five to fifteen dollars a month, um, offering our us fi- some financial support. So thank you so much, Metal Minister Nacho Almighty, Robert Christian, Zachary Robert Crowley Barros, Jason Lehman Le- Lyman, Michael Bowden, the Stone Druid. Joshua Gibson, 8-Bit Wizard, James J.C. Klontz, Uncles with Benefits, Daniel Miles, Jaeger, Joshua McKee, Raver E. Alice, Petey, Jason Colliver, Andrew Fontenot, Fabtastic, Ursula Bertea, Cody Irwin, Lady Magesire, Shepard Tiberius, Jimmy the Penguin, Austin Pence, Derek Norman, Tim Searle, Liquor Locker, Kensworth Slater, Torben Schwarz, J.J. Holler, Tucker Barkley, Pat Menads, Seth M. Harrison, Kevin DeHart, Matthew Watson, Jesse Jones, David Barron, Jason Rittman, Joshua Motzinger, Nicole Chapin, Ian Koffling, William Martin, Dice Quest Podcast, a.k.a. Jack, Nick Vukulich, Vitaly Vasilyuk, Adam Hoffling, Chene Gianarelli. Oh, man, I love that name. Chene? Chene Gianarelli? I don't know. It's Italian. It's dope. Uh, and that's it. Thank you guys so much for your donations to the show. Your financial support means a whole lot. Um, and I hope, I hope we're worth it. So, uh, all right. Bye-bye. <laughs>